welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. I am talking again today about anointed to demonstrate the supernatural. So well, I didn't pull up my PowerPoint from Wednesday, but you can. Um, one of the things I wanted to just kind of give us a slight recap, but I've asked Cece to come and give us a dream she had two nights ago. Um, she had a, I feel like it was a very pointed dream for us um, because one of the activities of the Holy Spirit is that he's come to destroy the works of the enemy. So that means you have. You know, it's interesting how we can often, even in our um, lack of education or lack of understanding, partner with the enemy all the time. Have you ever heard yourself speaking out your fear? You know what I'm saying? Well, I sure hope crap doesn't happen. I mean, you're not saying that, but that's that's kind of what we're saying, isn't it? I sure hope a bunch of bad stuff doesn't happen my children, my husband, my wife, my family, and everything that isn't about a promise, isn't about how amazing God is, isn't about a hope in a future, is our mouths creating whatever Lou's agenda is. And so one of the great things about my belief system is that I've got to train you. You know, let me uh, see you're going to need it. I can tell you're needing a scripture. This is uh, David in Psalm 144. He said, there is only one strong, safe, secure place for me. That shows you three things that God's going to provide for you. Strength, safety, security. You need it. Otherwise, you're going to live in your house with all the windows locked and you're going to be scared to death. I'm just telling you the truth. See, you're, you're able to live in this world and not be in trouble. Not be even troubled. We have trouble, but I don't have to be troubled by the trouble. BJ says, if I will keep watch over him, he will keep watch over what concerns me. I don't know if you've seen the last of the chosen. I'm going to give you a little uh, blockbuster moment, but there's there's a scene in in there where it is showing so good what happens to us when we lose sight of Jesus. Have you ever thought about it? Have you ever thought that maybe you never even grew up knowing Jesus? You didn't have him in your sights at all, but you do. If you're sitting in this room, Jesus is available to look at. Right now. He says, there's only one strong, safe, secure place for me. It's in God alone. And I love him. It says, in the Amplified, it says, he's the one, excuse me, that trains my hands for war. This is my hand here. And my fingers for battle. So that's two places that have to do with just this right here that he's training. So how is he trained? How is he training us? It depends on 
what you need training in. How many are going to play NFL next year? Okay, well, we're not going to be out there throwing the football later today then, okay? Now, see, my house is going to write a prophetic word from the Super Bowl. And so we've got a whole exercise set up that we're going to do today while watching the Super Bowl so we can write a prophetic word. I challenged all of y'all to do that. I don't know if y'all are going to do that or not. See, this is just another way I'm trying to train you. See, every time God puts out a way to train us, we either go, yeah, yeah. or we go, oh, I'll, f- I'll see what they find out. Uh-huh. And, then, and this is the weird thing about the spiritual democracy. Then we try to decide if we agree with it. Yeah. When you could have watched it all along and got your own beautiful word. That's just, that's just the cool thing about God. He is trying to train you for the war you're going to be in. What's the war for you? For your assignment. For why you were created on the earth. The enemy's great if you don't know your purpose. Just be neutral your whole life. Just find neutrality and just live right there at in medium, vanilla, five. Just live right there your whole life. Right? But that's not what God called us to. He called you to lead. Everybody in here is leading something, whether you know it or not. He called us to be like Him. And He called us to do what He said to do. So, Mendel, come share your dream, and then I'll come up and... Oh goodness. Okay, I have to I have to practice something real quick before I share this dream that she's talking about. I had a dream last night. I have to practice. I just have to practice, okay? I have a prophetic word for somebody in this room. Based on the dream I had last night, the one I'm going to share on is actually from two nights ago, but last night I had a dream about somebody who was attempting to um, create a business based on something that the previous generation had done. They had a, a business of some sort, and I saw that they actually had work orders on blue paper, and they were go- attempting to recreate. They thought, if we can recreate this these work orders, then we will have a successful business. But the I saw them purchase the building for their new business, and they had to pay with fruit. And I've been asking the Holy Spirit what that meant, and he told me that pursuing that dream, pursuing that line of whatever whatever you want to call that, was costing them the fruit, <clears throat> costing them, it cost them the fruit of the Spirit. And, and before, I'm going to explain real quickly what the fruit of the Spirit is, but the fruit of the Spirit um, was their payment, so they had to give that up in order to do this business. And the diff I saw this as a movie and the that choice basically um, made the movie of their life was the determiner between making your their movie, the movie of their life, either be what we would call a horror movie or be a movie about the great I am. It was either going to be a horror movie or the great I am. Now, the interesting thing about the story of our life and the movies of our life is that it's not necessarily what 
it even looks like on the outside. And it's not necessarily even what's valued in the culture, you know, or not. Um, but it's about what's on the inside. Because we live in a story, don't we? I mean, we live in the reality of our own story. At, we can't get away from ourselves no matter where we go. And so let me just say what the fruit of the Spirit is in Galatians 5. The fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all of its varied expressions. Divine love, first and foremost. The various expressions of that divine love is joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart, and strength of spirit. Now a little further up in that in that uh, same chapter in Galatians 5, in verse 16, it talks about as you yield freely and fully to that dynamic life of the power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon the cravings of your self-life. For your self-life craves the things that offend the Holy Spirit and hinder him from living free within you. Or another way to say that would be hinder that fruit of divine love from living within you. And the Holy Spirit's intense cravings, the Holy Spirit's intense cravings, hinder your old self-life from dominating you. You know, we sang, about, we sang this song about, um, I won't look back, I won't look back, nothing from my past has a hold on me. And I feel like there's something about that the Holy Spirit wants to touch on today because, um, you know, we can all have good and bad things in our past. You know, not everything that is no longer present in our life would we consider bad. You know, we may miss some of the stuff from our past, but it is just simply not freedom for any of it to have a hold on you because that means it has the ability to torment you to in every way. And so the goal is for nothing to have a hold on me. And I just need to prophesy and say that it is not the Holy Spirit's ability, God's ability to redeem something for you doesn't require you to hold on to it. Does that make sense? Sometimes I think we have, we think that in order for God to move in an area, we've got to hold on to it. And that's not a requirement for him to restore or redeem something from us. So we want to walk in freedom in every season of our life and freedom and not being hindered by the self-life, something from our past Freedom comes when we allow the Holy Spirit's intense cravings to hinder the Holy Spirit. I mean, hinder the old self-life. That it does it for us. It prevents them from dominating you. I mean, if anybody has ever had anything in their past they just were tired of being dominated by, this is speaking to that. The Holy Spirit's intense cravings hinder your old self-life from dominating you. So then the two incompatible and conflicting sources within you are your self-life of the flesh and the new creation life of the Spirit. But when you are brought into the full freedom of the Spirit of grace, 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 we sang about today, filled with grace, 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 you will no longer be living under the domination of the law, but soaring above it. And that looks like having this fruit within you, this fruit of divine love 
in your inner person, that you experience joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart, and strength of spirit. The next line says, never set the law above these qualities, for they are meant to be limitless. Limitless. This fruit of the Spirit is meant to be limitless in your life. So again, for whoever um, that word resonates with, that dream, I just feel like somebody um, needed to hear the Holy Spirit was wanting you to know that it cost you your fruit to try to recreate something from a previous generation. It cost you this fruit of divine love. And you can make a choice today, and you can partner with the Holy Spirit to actually no longer let that dominate in your life. And you can enjoy the fruit of the Spirit again. And your inner world, your inner story, your inner um, movie that you live in, that you are the, the lead character in, can shift from being a horror movie to a story about the great I am. So I just released that in Jesus' name. Sorry, I couldn't even move on from without saying that. I couldn't move on. So... I've heard Tisa say that before. I just experienced it. So, okay, shifting gears to what Tisa introduced on um, <clears throat> spiritual warfare, battling, that kind of thing. I think another reason, as I mentioned about um, nothing from my, I won't look back, nothing from my past has a hold on me. Another reason why nothing, uh, we don't want to be held by something in our past is, as I said, it has the ability to torment you and to cause all sorts of trouble in your life. It could look like either trying to re-achieve something from your past, or it could look like trying to prevent something that happened in your past from happening again. And so that those things can be a huge, huge driver. And so Tisa introduced for me and on this subject today that sometimes the things that we were raised in, we partnered with unknowingly because that's what we were taught, right? That's just the culture we grew up in. And those, um, those things that we were influenced by can um, create battles for us present day, simply put. They can put create battles for us. So personal example, I, with the culture that I grew up in, it said to listen to fear. So be afraid of blah, 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 and put action behind that. So you will prevent that. So I thought fear was a teacher. I thought fear was my friend. I even thought fear was a protector. So no wonder I had so much of it, right? Because <laughs> I needed protecting. I felt scared all the time. I felt unsafe. But the whole time, I was looking and listening to fear to try to make me safe. And now when you break that down, and I realize, well, fear is of the enemy. I was looking to the devil, basically, right? That's basically what it is, to make me safe. And he's a liar. So none of his advice was ever going to be effective. It's just a bold-faced liar, deceiver. So no matter what I did, it wasn't going to do anything. It wasn't going to result in me feeling safe or protected because it was a lie. So this verse in Isaiah 54, verse 17, was really, really um, powerful to me as I began my Christian life because it talks about something that spoke to that issue of safety for me. It says that I learned it in this form that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. I was like, that sounds good. 
I like that promise. No weapon formed against me will be successful. It won't succeed. It can't hurt me. I needed that to be true, right? I needed that. That was a, a promise from God that my life would not just be filled with pain and hurt and disaster and, and that kind of thing. So the next line in that, though, is interesting because it says, you will refute every accusing word spoken against you. It didn't say God will refute every accusing word spoken against you. It says you will. And so I have looked at that and wondered, what does that mean exactly? Like, how do I refute the accusations? How do I refute the accusations? Now, I, as I said, growing up, you refuted them by arguing. If somebody accused you of something, you argued back, right? You, you made your point. You debated. Well, if it's a spirit accusing you, which we know, right, the devil is an accuser. That's like one of his names. His his job, like he's an accuser, so it's gonna happen. So I mean, I've received way more accusations from the enemy than I have from any any person, right? So it says, "I will refute every accusing word spoken against me." So how do I do that? Well, again, I if you take that model of I'm gonna listen to what fear says and come up with something to prevent what it says might happen. You know, there's like a threat that I would come up with something to do or to say to prevent it from happening. So now, walking as a Christian, believing this promise, and I hear an accusation from the enemy, a threat that says, well, you're doing that wrong, or, you know, this is going to result in something bad, and you're going to mess this up. Well, I would start trying to talk back to the enemy. I would engage in the debate. I would say, well, that's not true, and because of this and because of this, and I would try to come up with arguments myself of why the, what the enemy is saying isn't going to be true. Okay, I would try to come battle it with reasoning, human reasoning, which would always lead to some sort of action, like, well, I need to do this, or I need to do that, I need to take this action, I need to say this to that person, I need to write them a letter, I need to send them an email, or I need to never say that to this other, you know, on and on and on. It, it's, it's my way of battling, that's how I, what's what I knew to do. So I have often found myself in a battle, which we would call now a spiritual battle, where I'm battling a lie, I'm battling a fear, I'm battling a threat, something coming from the enemy. And I have not been successful at battling <laughs> the accuser with that method. It is a trap. It, every time I engage with the enemy, it's a trap. Because I basically say, you know what? What you're saying to me is valid enough for me to respond to. It's valid enough for me to tell you what's really true. So... I want to, so this dream I had in the midst of one of these failed battles, okay, in my personal life, just repeating what I've always done, you know, thankfully we were filled with grace, 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 you know, so I'm getting there, slowly but surely I'm getting there. So in this dream, I was um, being shot at by this man, Was had a machine gun, and he was shooting at me down this long corridor, this long hall. 
And basically, I realized, oh, he's not just shooting, he's shooting at me. So I launched into this military-like defense operation, and I started like trying to gather people and say, hey, you keep eyes on him, and I'm going to go over here, and we got to know where he's at, because I've got to position myself in such a way that I'm not in the line of fire, you know? So if it was, I would just try to position myself to not be in the line of fire. Um, a, a few things happened in between, but long story short, I ended up in a parking lot and in a shootout with this guy. And now I had a pistol and I had a really, really cool shotgun. I mean, I don't think this shotgun really exists, but it was really, really, really cool. It was more compact and it would just spray a whole bunch of bullets, you know, and it was powerful and I knew it was powerful. And so I was like, I'm ready. Like I went around every corner, like, you know, like they do in the movies. I was feeling really, really good with my weapons. And so I end up in the parking lot and I'm walking, I get in my car and I see the guys coming to me. So I kind of crouch down and I'm waiting till he gets in the line of my shotgun and I'm going to blast him with this shotgun. But he gets close enough so that I'm ready to fire and my gun jams. And I'm like, oh no, what's, you know, if you have a really powerful weapon, it's no good if it jams. And it won't fire. But now he's seen me because I let him get close enough. So I basically end up running around this parking lot. And we, me and this guy are in, in the middle of a shootout the whole time. Well, <laughs> so um, I'm basically, at this point, I was alone. So even though I'd recruited these other people to help keep an eye out, when it came down to it, I felt alone in this parking lot in the shootout. There was nobody else there with me. Well, Along came a friend running with law uh, this big, um, what's it called? Hair. Afro. It's an Afro. It was like a really big, amazing Afro. And they were wearing an army jacket and they had their own gun. And they were like, every single maneuver was, was like something out of a movie. Like they were skilled. And so they start shooting at the guy with me. And <clears throat> it was Jackie in my dream. Just so you can picture it. Just think about her Halloween costume. That afro was really awesome. So I said, Jackie, boy, am I glad to see you because somebody's there to help me shoot this guy, right? And she said, girl, I'm not Jackie. My name's so-and-so, and I'm from the blah, 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 blah artillery unit, and I've got like 47 years of combat experience. And I was like, whoa, okay. And all immediately I knew that this person that I know, knew as Jackie had been placed in my life ahead of time to watch over and protect me. It changed everything about how I felt in that moment because I was alone. And even though I thought I had some powerful guns, I, you know, it wasn't really working out. My gun kept jamming. So I immediately knew that, whoa, I was so protected that somebody had sent a protector ahead of me. It, it was really, really life-changing, a, a life-changing experience and feeling in the dream. It changed everything. So next thing you know, in the dream, Jackie and I are hunting this guy down. I mean, we're, we're two on one now, right? And so we basically ended up pinning him down in, the, in this car. And it was interesting because he was face down, and Jackie had a gun on him, holding a gun to his head, so he couldn't do anything. And I came up, and you would have thought, right, that I would pull out one of my powerful weapons, like my pistol or my shotgun, but I didn't. 
I started spraying him with this white liquid, just covering him with it. And then I got up in his face and I said, no weapon formed against me can prosper. And I woke up after that. So that was a direct quote from the scripture, right? No weapon formed against me shall prosper. And so I realized, though, I didn't use the shotgun. I didn't use the weapons that I thought were so powerful because those represented the human reasoning and logical debate and back and forth argument with the enemy that was firing shots at me, that was firing lies at me. Those never work. They just jam. You know, you know how in an argument when later on you think about the perfect thing you could have said, but in the moment you can't get it out of your mouth? It was like that. Okay. So that was, those weapons were the ways that I was taught warfare. And those are the weapons that always fail. And so there's another verse, and uh, Tisa may read it. There's several verses. Actually, I think I have one pulled up here. For although we live in the natural realm, 2 Corinthians 10, we don't wage a military campaign employing human weapons, using manipulation to achieve our aims. Instead, our spiritual weapons are energized with divine power to effectively dismantle the defenses behind which people hide. There's several other verses about the uh, we don't battle against flesh and blood, but in the spirit realm. I don't have all those pulled up, but um, so I, instead of using the gun, right, in the dream I used, I sprayed the guy with white liquid. Now, first of all, I had the realization that I had an intercessor on my team. I'd been pre-planted. Who was the intercessor pre-planted by? It was God. So that symbolized God's pre-provision of protection that he sent somebody ahead of me. There's so many verses that we could reference here that sent somebody ahead of me to watch and keep guard. He already made a way for me to be protected. And his way is Jesus Christ. His way that he sent ahead of time is Jesus. And what Jesus provided for me was righteousness. Now, the color white is symbolic of righteousness. So what I did when I had after my intercessor was there working for me and I realized that God's got my back as I started spraying this guy with righteousness. I began to spray him with righteousness. Now, why does righteousness work? Why is righteousness the best weapon? Because righteousness says that I'm already bought and paid for. And so there is nothing that you can say to me, enemy, that is true. There is nothing, you are a liar, you're a deceiver, there's no accusation you can make against me that God's not bigger than. Like, that's already pre-decided. That's why we talk about we war from victory, not for victory. And so when you know whose you are, that's a powerful weapon. That's a powerful weapon. To give you a practical example, Let's just say you're married, you're not married, but your dad was a billionaire, 
you live in a palace and you have buffets every single day, right, for every meal. If somebody came up to you and said, you better watch out because you're going to starve and go without food the next day, what would that person growing up in that household think? Like, you're an idiot. There's no way. My dad's a billionaire. I live in a palace. I have a buffet every single day for every single meal. You would say that accusation is so invalid it's not worth my time or attention. It has no validity because I know whose family I belong to. I know whose I am. So righteousness is knowing that that's why um, it talks about Jesus overcame death in the grave because death used to be a threat to humanity. Death used to be a threat. But when Jesus came, he overcame that and he bought us away into everlasting life. So we literally cannot be killed. Our spirit man cannot be killed. We have no death. We have an everlasting spiritual life and a promise to be reunited in heaven with our heavenly father. That's not a threat. I mean, I like to play that out sometimes and say, well, you can't really threaten me with death because what's the end result? I get to go to heaven, you know? There's nothing that the enemy can accuse us of when we remember our righteousness. So that's what I was doing in the dream, was spraying him with my righteousness. And then I declared the promise of God to his face. That's all you really have to say to the enemy, is to re-declare and state the promises. So when we talk about using your words and making declarations, that's what we declare. We don't engage in in, um, a debate with the enemy. Now, I thought it was interesting that, um, let's see where I where it is here. I have three different versions of that scripture pulled up. No weapon, this is in the Amplified, Isaiah 54, 17, you can visit it yourself. No weapon that is formed against you will succeed. And every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you will condemn. This peace, righteousness, Security and triumph over opposition is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And this is their vindication from me. This is their vindication from me. Interestingly, in the Passion Translation, it also says, and their vindication is from me. And in the footnote there, I can get this to work right. Guess what that word could be translated as? Righteousness. Vindication is the same as righteousness. Vindication is righteousness. Vindication is another word for this this vengeance word that has been released. He's coming to vindicate us. He's coming to declare our righteousness. He's coming to remind us of our righteousness in these moments when we are in a battle. And we are reminded, just like through this dream, that that's our weapon. That's our weapon. And we can protect our borders and protect our identity and protect our life with him when we battle and war with the actual weapons that we've been given rather than engaging in, you know, potentially years of battle that will never be effective. So let's welcome Tisa back and she can drop some more wisdom on us.
Wow. Good, right? Yeah. I think another great point to reiterate is that, you know, even the intercessor didn't use the weapon that they had brought. And that's part of the gap between intercession and you know, the intercessor is always preparing um, sort of like a defense against the person uh, who they're interceding for so they can have breakthrough. Just another thought that you can ponder on. Um, I think that, you know, part of the, I know just personally, you know, why CC had that dream and it's really powerful, but for this series that I'm on, it's also very powerful because God's laying a foundation for us to realize how anointing is not only forged, but maintained. And part of walking in God's anointing is realizing that because of Jesus, that you, um, you've been invited to carry something of the Holy Spirit that only humanity can carry. God doesn't really anoint flowers. I'm pretty sure Scout those anointed me. Think no, <laughs> she did. She does the strangest things that I consider prophetic. But um, that's a whole other story. She's just a dog. But um, this is—it's just joy for me. Okay, come on, don't be so serious. Okay, listen. This is a prophetic house, and so what God's saying today is so, is something He's giving you as a little gift for what you're going to run into. Maybe it's just when you walk out the door here. Maybe it's next week. Maybe it's next year. And so part of what is our heart is to steward what He's giving to us as gifts for when they're ready, when they're ready to be used. So that's the cool part about the Holy Spirit is that He pre-prepares us for what we're going to need when when it's time. Yeah. You don't know what that's going to be. <laughs> Gosh, I spent all that time making that perfect, and it just fell out of my pocket. Um, so I wanted to just recap for us just a couple of things he's been saying on this little journey about anointing. One is that the Trinity has this testimony. You know, I talked about that. Just think about, it. do y'all ever think like this, that God aches to be God? I think about it all the time, that while we're busy running around, establishing priorities out of things that are soulish, God's desire is to be God. Oh, was that too heavy? Yeah, some of y'all went... <laughs> We just need to reprioritize our life to allow the Holy Spirit, Jesus, and Papa God to demonstrate to us what He wants us to demonstrate here. That's what their testimony is, right? And the other thing that God calls us is estate managers. So you are part of a, a wealth that you... Um, didn't earn. Part of God's promise comes with provision. So it's a wealth. It's You're wealthy. See, my ability to walk in the wealth, the supernatural wealth of God, it doesn't have anything to do with the American dollar. It, it's, it's first, it's wealth of soul. 
And so part of the wealth of your soul is peace. You can have all the money in the world. You can't buy peace. And so there, the things of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, all those, are the things that come with the actual acknowledgement and interaction and relationship with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is meant to be in relationship with you. And when we prioritize everyone else over him, then I basically am in relationship with what you can do for me. And you can't do anything for me. Have you ever tried that? Have you ever tried to marry someone? I was married once. Have you ever tried to marry someone that you thought they were going to meet your needs? And wow, marriage ends up being a shocker, doesn't it? I mean, like, that's the most taking relationship on the planet besides your children. Then you had children, and they took more, and you're like, I have literally nothing to give. Come on. I'm just being truthful. I should teach a marriage class for y'all. And let's go on a retreat. Let's go to Colorado. You want to? No, no, no. We don't have time. We don't have time for that. Look, see what was acting like? She's like, you're not going. You're not married. And so, you know, I mean, marriage is the perfect example about how weird our predetermined mindsets can be because that'll mess you all up. And so it's kind of like that relationally with God. I'm pretty sure that we don't have him established in the way that he wants to be relationally. And so then this journey, all these stories, all everything we talk about every week is about realigning your mind into the the formation that he originally meant it to be. And that's, I mean, for me, I don't know about you, but that's a great fun dream. That the way that Cece tells it is, you know, the first time I ever met her, I prophesied about how funny she was. And she's funny. I mean, y'all don't even know how funny she is. She's not as funny up here as she is, you know, for those of us who are around her a lot. But she's really funny. She's big chicken girl. That's just what she is. She's funny. Now, as an estate manager, let me help you. While you're here, and you know Jesus, all this is post-Jesus, okay? He's Lord. He's the guy. You serve no other, okay? On earth, post-Jesus is he gives you what you're able to manage well in your current state. And then he brings, in life, it's kind of like a little line of, of trains. The next train is the next thing you're going to be ready for. Now, most of us want the, the whole train at one time, but that's not God's way. So as he brings that, as you steward it, you get rewarded. That's why in heaven he's not going to judge Christians for their sins. You don't have to be scared of the great judgment day. If you're a Christian, because that's reward day. You should be like going, oh my gosh, like today, man, I got me some rewards and I can't wait till judgment day because that's the day that it's going to be revealed and I'm going to get to do something with God's reward. Why would he wait till eternity to reward us? I know it's a whole rabbit trail for it to not be anything. So this is just the test product. So he gives you these things like money. 
Like we have American dollars and jobs and relationships and shoes uh, for me. And, um, and he gives you these things, you know, a laptop to see if you're going to steward it. If I'm just throwing my laptop around, I'm going to have a whole bunch of laptops in my lifetime. But I'm not going to be rewarded for how good of a steward I am. Are you with me? It happens on levels that you can manage right now. If you come here and, and you're, you receive food, then part of God's way is you give because you got fed. That's just part. Why? Because he wants to bless you. He wants to reward you for doing the way he said to do it. Not because Teresa wants your money so I can have me some more shoes. See, you got to get in your mind, okay, God's got this cool plan, and am I doing the plan? Am I being an estate manager, or am I just showing up, seeing if I agree with what somebody says up there? It's not about that, or if I can get a pretty painting this next week. It's not even about any of that. Y'all paint some more so we can give some more away. Now, the third thing I mentioned on this series is that we're in the kingdom age. You don't even know what that means. Okay, just say it. Just be honest. You don't have any idea what that means. It just sounds cool. But what the kingdom age, what, what is a differential is, is that it's time for his spirit, like I talked about in Joel 2, it's time for his spirit to recompense. Just think if you knew that and you felt that. How many have felt God's paid you back for past harm? Okay, well, that is his plan for you to believe that he would do that for you. So if you lost a mom or a dad, if you lost a brother or a sister, if you lost a family, if you lost a business, if you lost a relationship, if you lost a car, if you lost a home, he's into recompense. Now, he's not into the past. Now, see, I don't know. Um, I think of a couple of people that CeCe's other dream could be for. But see, if that other dream about what she mentioned, just a summarization failed me. Yeah, the cost of the fruit. You need to go find someone and tell them, hey, that's words for me. See, that's low. That's what I call low-hanging fruit. That's like this word, this prophetic word is hanging out there for anybody to get it. She didn't point it out. That was really a bold step for her. She doesn't do that normally. She's just low. You can come grab that if that was you. Because why? God's trying to partner with you to free you into the dream he has for you. That past thing he's saying is dead and gone. He's saying, quit trying to resuscitate it because I actually have something new. And that's why he gave her that dream last night. So somebody that was for. And so that's part of the kingdom age. Part of the kingdom age is somebody random that you don't even know has a dream about you, has a dream about something you're trying to consider and gives you direction. And then you partner with that direction. And then you see something that you didn't even work for. You see an outcome from it that you weren't even striving to get or trying to, maybe you weren't even praying about it. Who knows, right? So that's kind of where we're going with this actual talk of, of the anointing. You know, it's, um, it can tend to be a mystery, right? Have, has anyone ever um, felt the Holy Spirit in their physical man. 
don't know. I think, what do y'all think? Maybe five years, y'all just quivered every service. You know, how, how long did y'all do that till they would just fall on the ground? And they, they don't quiver as much anymore. It's not that God's not in the quiver into the quivering anymore. I mean, I know what he was doing. He was shaking the living daylights out of them, right? Because they needed it. They were asking for it. They weren't mad about it. They weren't embarrassed. They didn't care what they looked like. See, when you see somebody having a manifestation, I'm using that girl, then we, we're like, do we judge it? Like, I know people in here that have judged it, and they're still wishing it would come to their house. They're still wishing, oh, I wish I could get a little quiver. No, you judged that thing, man. You judged it, right? And so part of the Holy Spirit's anointing is you don't get to judge it. Not on somebody else, not on you. You just get to decide if you're hungry. I mean, really, if I said to you today, the Holy Spirit's going to be here on Wednesday, and you're all going to writhe around on the floor and bounce around, you know, there's four people that got excited about that. The rest of you are like, what are we doing Wednesday? I don't, I don't know. Should we go or not? That's why the Holy Spirit doesn't tell us. Because we would predetermine whether we wanted Him or not. That's why He just says, are you thirsty? Are you hungry? Come. Come. Now, I'm just, I'm just going to talk for five more minutes, okay? I think. Um... God is, God's ways are revelatory to humanity. That means that um, it's brand new to you. It's called a revelation. It's called, if you, if you really study out revelations, then it was the revelation as John, the beloved, the one that had, John was so close, he put his, head on Jesus's chest, right? He wrote about what he saw. Now he hadn't seen those things before and see God's not done. Let me help you given revelation out. And so for the more revelation that you receive, the more anointing you have to have. They work in tandem. Why? Because we're stewards first off. So everything that God gives us in gift form, first off, has to be loved. See, you have to love it before you understand it. You know, I think Cece would say this about our relationship, that I, I taught her to love what God made in her before she was willing to release it. You know, I think that's part of what I want to develop in all of you as leaders is to see the gold in someone. I don't, I don't, I didn't, it's not about what I want to be in friendship with a person. It's about what does God want to make more shiny in her. Pre-planted, pre-designated. Now, the other cool thing is that the tool of faith, so think about it. I think I wrote, yes. So faith is a tool pre-placed in every human on earth. Faith, you already have it. Okay? Now faith, just like God desires to be God, faith desires to grow. 
If you only do safe things, faith never grows. At the end of your day, you'll say, played it safe, and you get to slide into home free. That's all. That's what you get from that. Boom, boom. That was a funny. But faith is pre-placed, and it's activated by the exposure to something that isn't in correct alignment to God's standard, to this kingdom age of God's standard. So when I come upon something, and see, this happens to me when I meet people. I come upon people, and I'm like, oh, you're not yet what God made you to be. What you been doing? I see. You've been doing it. Well, that's not it. That's not God's dream for you. You've been real busy with that. And usually the question I ask is, what has that gotten you? A lot of mayhem, a lot of chaos, little peace, right? And so my faith gets activated right then because I see something and I'm like, oh, I can hope for what you're not. That's just, that's faith. Oh, I needed, I needed that to get activated in me today. You know, when I met Shudi, you know, she was under such a weight of, I would say, people pleasing. You know, she's a, because she's meant to be a people lover, that love and pleasing got exchanged. And so she was so worried about what people thought about her. That didn't make her any bit bitter, but better. You can't be better by worrying about what people think about you. Most everybody who struggles with people-pleasing is really meant to love unconditionally in a great way. Now, everyone knows, I mean, I had to teach her to love people enough to confront them. That was the next step after realizing you don't have to be. See, everything, every level needs an activation of another level of faith, another thing of faith. It just it just keeps growing. And it needs something to be exposed to, to reach out and grab it and pull it into reality. And that's faith. When that's not in proper alignment, my faith gets activated to begin to speak, say, advise, give wisdom about what would lead that person into proper alignment. Are you with me? Let's use the car. Car is always a great analogy for us, right? So if your car is not in alignment, can you tell? How can you tell? There's lots of options. You, don't you love that one that veers? Eh, just veer. You don't even have to do anything, right? Or that other one that shakes a little bit. It's really bad if it's shaking. I'm just saying. And so you know it. But you keep driving past the alignment shop over and over and over, right? Yes. See, this is an alignment shop. Yeah. You can only get aligned if you pull in. Some of us pull in occasionally. Some of us, when we're here, we're not here, right? But you pull in, you, you need realignment. Now, don't get offended at the aligner. You're the one that has the car that needs alignment. See, when we start getting offended at the alignment repairer, we won't go back in for alignment next time. 
We'll wait till that whole left tire has just been worn slick down. You know what I'm saying? Have you ever gone to the tire shop and they were like, <laughs> well, the ones on the right are good, but the ones on the left are bad. You're out, you're out of alignment. Have you ever gone in <laughs> to someone and they said, oh, you've been out of alignment a long, long time. So what happens, you've made a lot of decisions, spent a lot of money, lost a lot of sleep. The whole time, you're out of alignment. So when, if you do that for a really long time, the alignment repair person just says, whoa, you don't seem to know people. Oh, oh, why are you talking to me that way? So offended. Then guess what we do? We talk about the offense instead of getting realignment. So then we leave the shop unaligned again. That in that process just repeats because, see, faith is looking for something to go apprehend. And so when someone says, look at it, it would behoove us to look at it. The other thing I said is it sees the out of orderness. It's my made-up word. And it's then prompted to use an activity. That's what faith needs an activity of seeing and knowing it can change. So see, faith knows it can change. It's trying to teach you how to operate it to make something actually change. It's not enough to know you have faith. It's not enough to know that it needs change. The third step is so vitally important that you begin to say and and position your heart to activate what it really needs to be. So in other words, if you came to the alignment shop and I said, well, something's wrong, let's, let's put a new engine in. And I put the new engine in, cost you a lot of money, right? And you drive off, you're still out of alignment. You come back next month, I'm like, well, gosh, I don't know what else it could be. Maybe it's the windshield wipers. Let's change those. This is, this is us, I'm just telling you. We, we will change everything but the thing that will cause us to be in realignment. And see, I, I just know God, and he's so relational. He's always going to start on a relational level. When you're out of whack relationally, everything's... Have you ever been out of whack? Anybody? Everything's out of whack, right? If you're married, you know this is true. You know whether you're in unity or not. You know whether you know the person. You know whether you're emotionally connected or not. And see, that's what marriage was supposed to be. It was supposed to be about a connection to help the other person not fall down. We were like, I think I'm going to go home and sit on the couch and you wait on me and bring me food. Isn't that what marriage is about? No, it has nothing to do with it. And see, that's what it is relationally, especially not only in marriage, but in the family of God. You're in a little circle, a small little family. We're all trying to honor each other. But we're all at different stages of alignment, different stages of maturity. And so think about it that the, our, uh, our anointing is, it, it needs to demonstrate the truth that we've learned. That's the power. So, so Cece's doing that for you today. So she... She's right. She had a really big battle this week. And so in that really big battle, God gave her this dream. 
And see, that's what he wants to do for us. When we, we have dreams, it's either, it's 95% of the time it's about us. You know, you have to really grow in maturity for your dreams to be able to be translated to mean something else. That whole dream was really about her and what she had just gone through, but she was able to translate it to help you. She could have just kept that to herself. And see, so that dream was given under an anointing. An anointing that if you want that kind of change, if you want to look at how you battle in life, there's an answer there. Now, you can just leave it here today and say, man, that was so cool that she gave us that dream. Or you can go home and you can search out a matter and you can learn to do something in your battling different. And that's what anointing is for. It's the empowerment through training, through words of life, through... See, the anointing has to rest on something. And when it rests on something, when something comes out, that anointing goes out and it touches you. Why did Aaron fall on the ground? Because there's an anointing between the two of them. And so he's receiving something from her anointing. So his position is always to get really low. Because remember, I told you it was Jesus. So that's what Jesus would do. And... And so he loves it when I talk about him like that. And so, see, all of us have a different position within our heart to receive that word. If you don't know her, you don't know her story, it may not mean as much to you. But Aaron knows her story. So, see, that's part of our anointing. Are you with me? And see, that's what we're trying to cultivate as leaders, right? We're trying to cultivate something that is a mystery, Something that is developed through how we extend our faith and how we see relationally with the Holy Spirit. And as that anointing grows, we begin to have more impact. And you want that. Right? All right. Let me pray over us. Do you receive it today? Let's just close our eyes. Papa, I just speak over us today and even over these dreams that Cece had. And I just pray that whoever those were for today and whoever those impacted today, I just pray that there would be a partnership with your spirit and even a partnership with someone else to speak about that and to find wisdom for that. I thank you for the courage and bravery that she has to come and speak about her story. And so we bless her and, and, uh, Cece's having a little procedure this week. So I just bless the doctor's hands on Tuesday as she goes through this little procedure. And I just pray that there would be, um, a multiplied, um, results from this procedure she's having Tuesday on her passageway to breathe. And I, I speak to all of those uh, places within her that for years she's been seeking for an answer. And I just pray that as you've led and guided her to have this solution, that this would be the solution and just lead us to the people to speak to while we're there. And so I just bless her today and I bless what you're doing in her life. And I just wash over her just a fresh anointing of your spirit today. And I just bless that she was able to come and share with us today what you have on your heart. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life OK. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com.